Hey everyone, it's Jack, and I wanted to start things off with a introduction to this episode. So welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, your go-to podcast for real estate investing tips, success stories, and expert insights. I'm your host, Jack, and you're tuning into episode 549. Today, we're thrilled to have a titan of the industry with us, Marco Santarelli. He's a seasoned investor who's been changing the game since he bought his first property at the tender age of 18. Now he runs a turnkey real estate empire that's thriving in 25 markets with an eye for single-family homes, duplexes, and more. With a solid strategy that churns out positive cash flow from day one, Marco is here to enlighten us on the significance of education before jumping into real estate investing. In this episode, we're diving deep into Marco's philosophy. There is wealth of knowledge out there and no excuse not to tap into it. From podcasts like ours to essential reads like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he's a strong advocate for self-education as the foundation for success. But it's not all about hitting the books. Marco emphasizes the power of smart technology, leveraging time, and the absolute necessity of delegation. He shares his bullish outlook on real estate, his strategies for beating inflation with promissory notes, and the principles that underpin true wealth. Be prepared to rethink your definition of being rich versus truly wealthy. And for those of you grappling with the analysis paralysis, Marco and I will be addressing why taking bold, imperfect action is the key to moving forward. Stick around, because this is one of those conversations that could very well shift your investing trajectory. You'll also learn more about how Marco's Narada Capital is offering an alternative investment option through promissory notes, revealing their potential as high-yield hedge against inflation. So gear up, masterminders. It's time to unlock value, overcome obstacles, and learn from the expert himself, Marco Santarelli. Let's get started. Welcome to the REI Masterminds Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Marco Santarelli joins me here today, and you can find out what he is up to at marcosantarelli.com. That's going to be a clickable link in the show notes. Well, we're going to spend some time not only talking about economy, but promissory notes and how to I think it would be fair to say to diversify into that investment strategy. So, Marco, really appreciate you joining me here today. Jack, it's an honor to be on the show, and I'm looking forward to the next 30 minutes. So, Marco, it's always great to start things off. You know, everybody seems to either, everything seems to be, in a, in a way, an accidental occupation. How did you find your way into real estate investing? Well. It was somewhat accidental, but but actually ended up being by design. To make a long, long story short, I I knew at a, a young age in my mid-teens that I wanted to be, at that time, I, I labeled it as rich, quote unquote, but really what I wanted to be is wealthy. 
And one of the ways I discovered through people that my parents knew was that investing in real estate was a way to create long-term wealth. And I didn't grow up with any money. I came from a poor family. In fact, my brother and I slept on the living room floor. We didn't even have a bedroom when I was a kid. But, but yeah, I just made the decision to learn about real estate investing and get involved in real estate. And so when I turned 18, I had saved enough from working at a grocery store to, to cover a down payment, qualified for financing, bought my first rental property and, and uh, you know, just managed it and, and held it for a number of years. And the proverbial, you know, writing was on the wall. That was the moment that I knew the writing was on the wall because that's when I just jumped in head first and it worked out. It just worked out. And uh, I kept educating myself and then kept buying real estate over the years. So that's how I got started in real estate investing. You know, you you brought up the concept of wealth versus being rich. That seems to be kind of an abstract thing for a lot of people, and they kind of define it in different ways. What does it mean to be you? to you? What does it mean to be wealthy? <clears throat> wealth implies that you have long-term and ideally sustainable value. So if we're talking about financial wealth, it means that you can survive and live month to month, year to year. You don't have to rely on chunks of cash. If you're if you're rich, you've just got a lot of assets and a lot of cash is just sitting there. It's it's just a big chunk of something. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're wealthy because you could lose that cash, but you don't have cash flow. You don't have monthly income coming in. When when you're wealthy, financially wealthy, it means that you have that financial independence. You have the monthly income coming from your assets to cover your living expenses. So it allows you to survive year after year after year. And if you do it right, your wealth will continue to grow. It won't shrink. So you'll never deplete that that passive income that you have. So for me, being wealthy means that you can live and sustain your lifestyle in almost indefinitely or indefinitely. Whereas being rich just means you're just sitting on a pile of cash or, or a bunch of assets, but they're not generating income, passive income to help you essentially live the lifestyle that you want, have the freedom that you want. So they're related, they're closely related, but they're not the same. Yeah, I kind of want to, thanks for doing that because, you know, a lot of people, they, they feel rich because of the gadgets or the or the spending habits, but then they're living on top of it paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. It's mm-hmm. not really actually accomplishing those type of goals. Yeah, a great example of that is a lot of people in my business with Norada Real Estate Investing or Investments, which is a turnkey real estate company to help people build portfolios. We find a lot of clients that come to us are what I call equity rich and cash flow poor. And what that simply means is that they're just sitting on a bunch of equity. Usually that's in their principal residence or it's in a, a rental property that they have sitting you know, in coastal California. So they have a lot of equity, but they're not putting that equity to work. And so they may be, you know, as I said before, in air quotes, rich, but they're not necessarily wealthy because if they were able to utilize that, that equity and turn it into cash flow, they, they would still have equity. They'd still have that rich component. But now they have that cash flow, which is the passive income that they need and want every month and every year. So that's, you know, that's just an example of the difference between being rich, having a chunk of cash and being wealthy, where your assets are generating income that allows you to live the lifestyle that you want to live. What do you think is the reason that people get stuck in that mindset where they, they, they perpetuate or continue that in that way? 
for me, I think the answer is pretty simple and it comes down to ignorance. And I don't mean that in a, a bad way, a negative way, a judgmental way. Ignorance is expensive. And the reason for that is what you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And what you don't know is going to cost you in terms of opportunity or maximizing what you are already doing. You know, that saying, the more you learn, the more you earn. There's a lot of truth in that. The more you know, the more you grow. There's a lot of truth in that. So if you continually educate yourself, and I'll, I'll keep coming back to this theme time and time again, because I'm just very big on it. <clears throat> the more you learn and more you educate yourself, the better an investor you become, a better person you become. You have that personal growth, you have mental growth, you have physical growth, you have financial growth. So the more you educate yourself and learn, the better off you're going to be as an investor and in succeeding as an investor. And so when people don't actually take action and do stuff, or when they know they should do something and they know they have an idea of how to do it, like invest in real estate, they often don't take action or they don't succeed or they fail often because they haven't educated themselves enough. And, and, and it really is just that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also interesting to, to see, and, and I'm going to say I'm the first one when I started in real estate investing, I was, I was in a similar situation where I don't want to really call it analysis paralysis. I want to call it, you consume all this, this content but you don't take any action on it. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do. You know, they become well-educated, but they don't end up taking action and, and making crap happen, as I call it. You know, I, I, I jokingly say there's three types of people in the world. There's those that make things happen. There's those that watch things happen. And then there's those people who wonder what happened. And mm-hmm. you don't want to be that third person. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's, that's great. Yeah. So educate yourself and take action. I mean, really, those are two fundamental things. Sure. So you 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 touched briefly on your turnkey business. Is that been something you've been doing for a while? For a while, it's been a long time. So next month, well, January will be the twenty first anniversary. Actually, it will be the twenty. I started in two thousand January two thousand four. So I guess that would be twenty years, twenty year anniversary. So yeah, I mean, it's a it's a business model that I. I launched and and really marketed the bejesus out of back in the day when we were in that first, well, that wasn't the first, but that major housing explosion prior to the, you know, the, the economy crashing and us having the great recession of 2008. So from 2000 to 2006 ish, we had this rapid price appreciation and rapid growth around the country. And I decided to go full-time real estate investing in 2003. And people were coming to me all the time saying, hey, you know, you're buying up a lot of property. You know, you're blazing a trail behind you. Can you coach me? Can you mentor me? Can you help me? And I said, I honestly don't have the time to do any of that as much as I may want to. But I see a lot of deal flow. And I said, I can pass those deals on to you or I can, you know, put them under contract and assign the contract over to you. So that's where the light bulb moment went off when all these investors were coming to me asking for help. And I thought, well, hey, you know, this is a potential business opportunity. And me being a serial entrepreneur, I thought, well, you know what, maybe I'll just launch a business based around this, you know, this turnkey real estate investing model. And ultimately what it's shaped up to be is 
a business where we have inventory of product in about 25 different markets, mostly on the eastern half of the United States, which are, are turnkey rentals with full service property management and, and tenants in place and cash flow positive from day one. That's a mixture of new construction and existing refurbished homes. And now, you know, we just provide the product along with the resources and education someone needs. So it's like a one-stop shop. And that started 20 years ago and I, you know, marketed it, worked it hard. You know, you know, I, I was, it was just me for the longest time, but I turned it into a viable business. And so it's been growing year after year since then. Is it, so it's primarily single family homes? Predominantly, but it's really single family duplex, triplex and fourplex. Anything that w- you would categorize in the financial space, like the financing space is residential. So one to four unit properties. It becomes a bit of a different animal when you get into larger multi-unit properties that are essentially five units and above. The, the financing changes, the terms are not as favorable. So we've always stuck to the one to four unit properties. And I'd say 80% of it is single family home. So sure. So you you are still fairly bullish on the the concept of real estate investing, especially in our changing environment. Can you talk a little bit about that? What are you What are you seeing right now, and what are you do you foresee? Yeah, I remain bullish because there are always opportunities to invest, regardless of where interest rates are. Real estate is kind of like a pendulum; it swings one way and, and then it swings the other. So you never have that pendulum stuck in the middle. So you never have equilibrium in housing. So you know it either favors sellers or favors buyers. But there's always going to be opportunity. And I always like to say when people ask me is now a good time to invest in real estate? My answer to them is always yes. It's never a bad time. So it's not a question of when to invest in real estate. To me, it's always a question of where to invest in real estate because there are always going to be opportunities, markets that are favorable, and and then sub-markets and neighborhoods that are going to be opportunistic. So there's always opportunity. But to your question, I am definitely bullish for fundamental reasons, regardless of where interest rates are, even though they're you know close to 8% right now for a 30-year fixed mortgage, you got to remember there was a time when interest rates were 17, 18, 19% and people were still buying real estate. You know, the dynamics were a little different, but 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 the housing market still existed and there was still transactional volume. So you just adjust. Interest rates are just one variable that you're working with when you invest in real estate. If rates go up, your debt service goes up and you just have to adjust where you're investing and what, you know, what you're investing in to accommodate the higher costs of borrowing. But the reason I'm bullish is fundamental. And that means that right now we still are, have a massive undersupply of housing in the country. Demand is strong and demand far outstrips the existing supply of housing that we have. Builders cannot keep up with the growth, population growth and need of of new housing requirements, the housing formations that we need. We need about one, roughly about 1.5 to 1.7 million units a year of new new units of housing to keep up with our population growth. And we're only producing about 1.2 million plus or minus 1.1, 1.2 million new, new units a year. So we're creating a deficit of about half a million units per year that are not coming on the market to fulfill the existing demand. So when you have that difference between demand demand and supply, it ends up pushing prices up 
and rents up. So if you are a property owner, like a real estate investor, you've got a lot of tailwind. You're benefiting from that price growth. That's price appreciation. So, so that's why I'm, I'm bullish. That is a big reason why I'm bullish on housing. It's, it's just because we're not producing enough of it. Demand is strong. We'll always need a roof over our head, you know, you know, food, shelter, clothing, you know, the shelter is a fundamental basic need. And as long as that's there, we're going to continue to see, you know, positive growth in, in housing. And look, eventually the rates are going to come down too. You know, we're not going to be in the 8% range for mortgages forever because it will, you know, it will stall our economy. You know, the, the Fed realizes that at some point they're going to have to take their foot off the brake pedal and eventually they're going to have to start pushing the gas pedal to provide some credit and liquidity in the markets so that way they don't completely falter. And when that happens, you're going to see increased activity in housing again. So, so this may be the worst of it. I mean, we might see a mild recession in 2024 and a bit of a pullback, but markets have been correcting already. Some markets will continue to correct, but, but ultimately, you know, when we see wages increase, affordability will improve and you'll see more people coming out into the market, creating additional demand. And I just, I just think for the next eight to 10 years, we're going to see just strong positive growth because the demand is there. So it's, it really is fundamental. And as long as our economy is, is healthy, it doesn't have to be incredibly strong, but as long as the economy is good and there, there's jobs there, people are going to be working, making an income and being able to afford their rent or, or, you know, purchase of, of, of housing. Well, since Marco brought it up, what we're going to be covering here next is going to be about how Marco believes that you can beat inflation by using promissory notes. But before we get into that, Marco, I want to direct everybody to your site again. So everybody go over to MarcoSantarelli.com. Again, that's going to be a clickable link in the show notes. But do us a quick favor. What's even more important is if you take a moment and share this episode with one of your real estate investing friends, it would really mean a lot. So, Marco, can you talk a little bit about the promissory note strategy? Yeah. So, I mean, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, a promissory note is nothing more than a loan agreement. It's just made up with two parties. You've got a borrower and a lender, and the promissory note just lays out the terms. You know, what interest rate are you getting paid? For how long? When does it mature? How is it paid off? You know, just the basic terms. And so if you've ever signed a loan agreement of any kind, you know, be it a student loan or car loan or anything else, I mean, even a mortgage loan for that matter, it's essentially a promissory note, just a different size. So as long as you understand what a promissory note is, then we're all on the same page. And what I like about promissory notes, I mean, there's certain investments I really like, obviously, real estate being a big one. But promissory notes can pay a yield or a rate of return that is all over the board. It could be as little as, you know, two, three, four, five percent. It could be eight, nine, ten percent. And then, you know, there are higher yield notes that are in the double digits that can be 10% and above. I've seen notes as as high as 25%. It just really depends on, you know, what what the note is for, what it's being utilized for. Is it being utilized for real estate? Is it a hard money loan? Is it for a car loan? Is it for a business, which is very common, you know, in, in, in first world countries like the United States, companies raise capital through the use of promissory notes. They either issue equity or they issue debt. And if they issue debt, it means you, you, the investor, are coming to the company 
lending your capital for a period of time and you're getting paid a rate of return, you know, six, eight, 10, 12%, 15%. And so the reason I like promissory notes, especially as a hedge against inflation, is because if you know that inflation is at a certain rate, let's call it, you know, 4%, which is supposedly what, you know, where we're at plus or minus today using the government's statistics, if you have a note that pays more than that, let's say it's 6% or even 8%, you're beating inflation. So you're not only getting a rate of return on your capital, your invested capital, but you are beating the rate of inflation, which means at the end of the day, the net return, which is your real rate of return, is positive. So if you're making 8% on a note, and the rate of inflation is 4%, at the end of the year, you've gained a true 4% rate of return. That's known as the after inflation adjusted rate of return, or simply known as the real rate of return. And so be- because promissory notes can pay that 6, 8, 10, 12, 15%, you, you can you know make a very healthy rate of return after adjusting for inflation. And just to tie the loop on that, you know, the, the reason, you know, I, I mentioned this and the reason you probably asked is because one of our companies, which is Norada Capital, Norada Capital Management, you know, we, we have, we've been, you know, offering and issuing promissory notes for years and they pay either 12 or 15% on an annual basis. So you can lock in at a fixed rate of 12% or 15% and it's paid monthly. The distribution is just deposited into your bank account as you know through ACH every month but it's a great option for those who don't want to invest in real estate or don't want to invest any more in real estate gives them another option my four favorite <clears throat> my four favorite asset classes if you will if you want to call it an asset class to beat inflation and I talk about this when I do my my talks my speeches are viable businesses businesses that can scale to and, and mm-hmm. grow inflation Number two is real estate, which is my favorite asset class for many reasons. Thirdly, to a much lesser degree as a hedge is a small crypto portion. But just if you have to understand, you truly need to understand that space. And four are promissory notes. Because promissory notes, I can pick and choose what I want to invest in as a note and, and, and pick my rate of return. So if I want to invest in notes that pay 10% or 12%, I can go and invest in those notes and I know that I'm going to get that rate of return. So that's why I like notes. Mm-hmm. So you, one of the things that you s- suggested in that list then was the viable businesses. Is that another aspect of your company to help with, with that? Not directly. So Norada Capital, even though investors can invest in promissory notes with our company at Norada Capital, it itself is a private equity firm, which means that it is invested and owns equity and control to, to some degree in about 37 ventures, 37 businesses and ventures. A fifth of it is, is e-commerce. Another c- category in there is made up of mastermind businesses, educational masterminds. Another category is real estate. Another category is uh, theatrical productions like Broadway musicals. And then a small component, that fifth component is a, a little bit of crypto, crypto investments, crypto assets. And so those are the five categories within Norada Capital, it, it being a private equity firm. But we raise capital through investors using promissory notes. So you're not investing in a business directly, but indirectly you are because those business ventures form the foundation under those promissory notes. So but there's nothing... Know- 
I just going to say there's nothing stopping individuals from investing directly in business ventures themselves. If you know the people, if you have, you know, the ability to underwrite and do your due diligence on a business, because there's businesses started every day in this country, you know, no, don't necessarily want to get into a business venture that's literally a startup because it's the highest point of risk. But as companies grow, the risk diminishes and you can get involved as an investor in a business as it's growing and has an established, you know, cash flow, established customer base. And that, you know, that gives you upside potential as an equity investor. So just want to throw that in there. Well, one of those things that you, you added, had in that list was theatrical productions. That, that seems to be out of the norm compared to the other categories. <laughs> yeah. That's another long story in and of itself. I was um, at a, mem- a mastermind <clears throat> event about four years ago. And one of the members of that particular mastermind that doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately, was a lead producer on Broadway. Has had a lot of experience. He worked for about four years with Andrew Lloyd Webber, who you know created Phantom of the Opera and Cats, and you know all all these great productions. So he was doing a lot of. He was working on some new ventures, some new new Broadway productions, and he was telling me about it. He was in love with the real estate turnkey real estate business. I was, you know, a part of. And he needed my help. And then he was telling me about what he's doing. And I said, hey, that's very interesting. I said, I love theater. My daughter is in theater. I fell in love with Phantom of the Opera like 28 years ago. And I said, keep me posted. You know, I might be interested in, in you know, in being a co-producer with you, you know, just being an investor. And so we stayed in touch and we became friends. And as time went on, I ultimately ended up investing in one of his productions and then that led to two and then to three. And now today I'm involved in nine or 10 productions, nine of them being Broadway based, like in New York. They're not all live right now. Three of them are. And, and you know, that's become a component of Norada Capital. So it's not a, a large component. It's a smaller category of Norada Capital. But, but I'm, you know, actively investing in new and upcoming Broadway productions that are big productions, but as part of Norada Capital. So it call it a passion, passion investment in, on the one hand, but really it's a true investment on the other hand. Yeah, it's just really interesting. We probably could spend a whole another episode on that. that, that <laughs> yeah. get, get back into the real estate world. I, I'd be curious because of your experience and you've had over 20 years now in just the turnkey business. Do you have any direct advice for people who are getting into real estate investing for the first time? What, where should they maybe start? Yeah, so it, th- this is going to sound like a bit of a repeat from where we started actually today. You know, I, I like to say that ignorance is expensive. So the best thing you can do, and really it's my first rule of my, you know, 10 rules of successful real estate investing. That first rule is to educate yourself. You know, you really need to, if you're getting started, truly getting started, you know, listen to shows like your, you know, your podcast. There's many other podcasts out there. You know, we do one called Passive Real Estate Investing. So that that education is essentially free and there's lots of it. There's a lot of great content online. So you can read and educate yourself online. There's a lot of, you know, blog posts and, and articles and whatnot. Thirdly, there's a lot of great books out there. And books are not expensive, you know, 10, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. Hey, it's not expensive. So educate yourself, read as many books as you can on, on not just real estate, but even personal finance and, and whatever else. 
So, so there's no excuse not to educate yourself, but that really is the starting point because you're going to find that you're going to start educating yourself and you'll get to a point where you're going to build your confidence from the knowledge you gain. And when you have that knowledge, growing knowledge and growing confidence, you, you can now take action. And I keep coming back to this too. So, so that's the starting point. And even if, look, even if you're a seasoned investor and you've been investing for many years and you've, you know, you've got a number of properties, there's no reason not to continue educating yourself because it'll just make you a better, stronger, more successful investor and a better person just for the knowledge you gain. You know, it's one of those things too, as you go through that additional material, you might hear something a dozen times, but depending on the delivery, depending on the way it's written, it might finally sink in. Yeah, <laughs> that's 100% true. Yeah. Well, Marco, this has been a great conversation, but before I let you go, I want to drive everybody to your website again, marcosantarelli.com. As I mentioned, this is going to be a clickable link in the show notes, but before I do let you go, I hope you uh, to spend a little more time with our rapid fire questions. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for them. And just a quick comment about the website. If someone goes to that's, you know, my, my personal website at marcosantarelli.com, it links to Norada real estate investments. It links to Norada capital. It links to all the things that, that I'm involved in. So it's pretty, it, it, it kind of goes down a bit of a rabbit hole, but it's a great starting point. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, you bet. So first off, what lie do real estate investors tell themselves and others? I think one of the lies real estate investors tell themselves and others, which is unfortunate for those people who have family members that are naysayers, friends and family. The, the, one of the biggest lies is that I, I can't invest in real estate. And then they come up with reasons like I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough money. I don't have a, enough credit, whatever it may be. Those are all overcomable if that's a real word everybody can invest in real estate. Now that doesn't mean that real estate investing is, is suited for everybody. It's not, but everybody can invest in real estate and whether you do it solo by yourself or with a partner or as part of a group, like a syndication, you can invest in real estate. So don't lie to yourself thinking that I don't have the right credit or high enough credit or enough capital that's out there. You can use other people's credit and you can use other people's capital. If, if as long as you're bringing something to the table, you know, you can invest in real estate. Do you have a book recommendation or what are you reading right now? <clears throat> well, there's probably a dozen book recommendations. <laughs> Depends on, you know, where, where you are at in your investing journey. You know, one, one, one book, and I'm sure you hear this a lot, but you know, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great book to kind of set the right mindset and look at, investing in finance from the right perspective. It's a great cornerstone or foundational book. Even if you're, again, a seasoned investor, that's a great book to start with. But, you know, there, there are lots of great books out there. Gary Keller has a, a, a very good book called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. It's blue and white, available on Amazon. It's been out for many years. In fact, I think it came out before the, the housing crash of 2006 and seven. But, you know, it, it covers a lot. It's very broad but it covers a lot of categories of, of things to know and think about. And again, it just helps cement the right mindset. Right. What is one tool you can't live without, whether it's in your personal or business life? My, <laughs> my, my smartphone. 
it's amazing how much we do on our smartphone today. I mean, communication through email, through texting, looking things up, you know, on the internet. It, it's just an, in, it, it, who would have thought that before 2007 that, you know, we could live without a smartphone, you know, then the iPhone comes out and all of a sudden it's like an indispensable tool. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, to me, it's like, it, it is like an unbelievably powerful tool because it makes us more if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? Well, fortunately I started young, but if I could go back, it would be to do more of what I'm doing today sooner, which means learn more, learn it sooner and continue, continue taking action. Because when you're younger, you have time on your side and time is a very, very powerful uh, leverage leverageable item it's something that you can spend but never replace so so you have to use your time wisely and and the more time you have more you can accomplish exponentially so this next one is a little different and i i don't think you saw this on the list so i'm going to just give you a heads up and if we if you take a little second to to have to think about it completely understand understand what single strategy process or tool have you implemented that has a direct time-saving impact to your business? Uh, delegation by far. Yeah. I, I, I didn't learn, I didn't learn to delegate as early as I should have. And when I did, I dragged my feet and didn't delegate. I still felt like I needed to do most everything myself. And I've discovered that the more I delegate to the right people, the more I can accomplish. It's, it's, basically leveraging other people's time. And that's very, very powerful. Well, Marco, is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today? We probably could have, you know, continued this for another half hour, even another two hours. There's just so much content, you know, and and things to talk about. I, I think you covered a lot of good stuff, but but I mean, rather than a question, you know, my comment would be just to continue educating yourself. And the most important thing is to take action because that's really where a lot of investors fail is they educate themselves. They know what they need to know, but they don't pull the trigger and, and make crap happen. So you've got to take action because that's really, and often that final step where you take that step over the finish line, the goal line and, and things start happening for you. So it's important to educate yourself, but it's even more important to take action. Yeah. The audience is probably tired of me saying it, but imperfect action is way better than no action. (laughs) Right. True. Well, Marco, again, it is marcosantarelli.com. Really appreciate your time and I hope you'll come back again sometime. For sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.